Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip and commentary. You can't beat the sound of a contented cat. That's why veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Because he knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. And our premium cat food is designed to satisfy even the most finicky eaters. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. a natural human instinct to have to go up and ask someone whose child has died in a crash or whose child has been murdered intrude on their privacy and ask them do they want to speak like that just I don't think that comes natural to anybody it's a necessary part of the job unfortunately as well so I think people don't seem to realise that these portrayals don't help because there's just this soulless aspect to it or something and yeah you cannot read comments but there's always going to be some way for them to get at you I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. A new crime drama co-funded by RTE follows the mystery of a missing Irish couple in New Zealand and features an immoral female crime journalist whose character follows a tired Hollywood cliche of the profession as unethical and ruthless. The International Women's Media Foundation has said the tarred trope of sexualized female journalists persists in popular culture, despite being crass, base and often offensive, and which it blames for driving women out of the profession. So will the character of Aileen Ryan flip as the writers of The Gone insist she will as the drama unfolds? Or is this primetime drama feeding the gender-based harassment and abuse experienced by women in journalism? Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald and Sunday World News Editor Emer Rabbit as we delve into the misrepresentation of female journalists on the big and small screen. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So Emer, welcome, Emer Rabbit. Welcome to Crime World for your debut. And you've managed to insult plus compliment Niall within the first few seconds of your yeah. arrival. That's just daily life with me and Niall though, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. Behind life. behind every compliment is a little a little <laughs> yeah. dig into the into the kidney area. You well, know? you told me I look good on screen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of, I just immediately went, whoa. Oh, I actually thought that was a nice thing to say because we don't usually, we're not usually that nice to each other. <laughs> it, it is a nice thing by Emer Rabbit standards. Yeah. By, by, I genuinely meant that's a compliment. I didn't yeah. say you look bad off screen either. No, but no, there just... is an inevitable <laughs> <laughs> Now, 
We're here today to talk about, and I'm like, I'm going to have to really control myself here mm. today because I, uh, we had a discussion about this in the office the other day about this new RTE show, The Gone, a drama, a crime drama, which is a kind of a story uh, set between Dublin and New Zealand. Mainly it's set in New Zealand and a couple go missing. Um, turns out that the mother of the young girl is a judge from the Special Criminal Court mm-hmm. who's put away a gangster and an Irish detective travels over to New Zealand to help with the investigation. OK, mm-hmm. so there it is. But into the middle of it and from the first episode trudges this female crime journalist who. Until I watched it, I wasn't. I mean, you guys had said, I mean, this this one is typical yeah. sort of mm-hmm. the way crime journalists, journalists, female journalists are depicted on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I have actually reached out to the writers of this and I'll come back to what they have to say about it at some point during the discussion. But she is, let's first of all discuss a little bit of the plot and what she's doing in it. Yes. So the gone starts in Dublin where this detective, I think he's a 20 year career. His name is um, Richter. Theo Richter, so his dad is German. People yeah. are wondering why is an Irish cop called Richter. Um, and he is basically leaving the guards and it's not really explained why, but he seemed to have some kind of traumatic incident. And then he is approached by his, I think it's a superintendent and asked, why are you doing this? You're ruining your career. And it's Christmas in Dublin and he leaves the pub and tells him I'm gone. And then he's seen stumbling down, I think it might be Mary Street or yeah, around Jervis Looks Street area. All right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and basically he said he comes across this group of thugs and he starts he starts something with them and then he gets he goes to swing in and he gets beaten up. Yeah. And what happened? This is the very start. And what happens is then he's beaten up on the ground and as he's riding on the ground, his phone rings and it says it's a special criminal court judge all the way from New Zealand and says she's gone. My daughter's missing. Yeah. So then Ben forward fast forward to New Zealand and. He flies over as the guard liaison and then it's not really... He gets off the plane and he's met by the detective on the ground there. Yeah. Sort of a Maori background. Exactly, yeah. And then it's very much kind of more of a New Zealand story, like it's in a very rural area. Beautiful scenery. Gorgeous scenery, yeah. It looks great, the programme. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is shot beautifully. Yeah. And of course, New Zealand is a place where a lot of things are shot because of the scenery. And I believe they have similar sort of tax incentives for filming that we have here and all the rest of it, Um, which could be behind the kind of the this you know, joint effort, joint effort thing. So the background of the Irish linked with then is that there's this um, criminal cartel in Ireland that the judge has put away called the Fallon cartel. Um, and this guy called Derry, Cart- uh, Derry Fallon uh, is this seen as the main head, Daniel Kinahan type, like if you want. Yeah. And she has put him away and she had been under threat by him. I think she may have been kidnapped at one point in, in the past. So the concern is that he's behind the kidnap of the daughter and the boyfriend. But then all these other storylines come into it too about how there's this tech company have developed on sacred Mary lands and the locals are not happy. The boyfriend, there's a modern twist to it then where the boyfriend is an influencer and then it comes out that he was on steroids and had been selling drugs. Not a great thing, I thought, if you're trying to live slightly under the radar or undercover to go out with a guy who's an Instagram sensation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's very true. Yeah. And then that out there. Yeah. Always careful on, on, on social media. Oh, indeed. And then there's references to their relationship maybe not being as great as it seems. So it's, there's a lot of, it almost gets a bit confusing at times. So the Irish angle is the cartel link, but there's other kind of possibilities about what may have happened to the couple. So it very much becomes 
more about the police officers, the Richter, the Irish guy in New mm-hmm. Zealand, Ireland. They have a lot of trauma in their past. And yeah, um, so know. in the middle of it all, we have our what what myself and Emer plough away on slavingly every day. The image of SundayWorld.com pops yeah. up as yeah. a female reporter. Yeah. Starts off. Her initial thing is she... She she's fl- she flies out, obviously, from Ireland to New Zealand and gets <laughs> put up in a hotel for an, exactly, a, like yeah. a, an yeah. amount of time, which is probably weeks. And can I just, can I just call out something that Pat Stacey, yeah. so he obviously um TV critic and a journal, or group journalist, and he said um, he wrote a review, which wasn't that complimentary, but he describes Aileen, Aileen Ryan is the, is the reporter's name, the kind of journalist who exists only in Inside scriptwriters' heads is supposed to work for the Sunday World. I doubt any of my colleagues in Ireland's oldest tabloid has ever submitted an expenses claim for a 37,000 kilometre round trip to New Zealand. <laughs> now, there may have been a few that have gone close to that that we won't name, but, yeah, but like, it's, yeah. it's a know. long time in the past. It, it yeah. certainly is. Yeah, I mean, that so. is a funny bit of it, actually, I thought, because she obviously files, I think, in the course of the episode I watched, she files one story over a yeah. piece of two weeks. Yeah. And just the idea in modern journalism. I know Alison Morris, our colleague in the in Belfast, tweeted me last night to say that um was she living in a penthouse and just filing <laughs> one story a year? Yeah. yeah. So but yeah. I mean they're the kind of funny sort of, I suppose, characteristics mm. that you see and, and obviously unrealistic. But for me, I think from the beginning, now the show producers and writers will say that this character develops and we will say that we have seen two episodes we've watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the beginning, she arrives on the scene and she is this deeply dislikable character who is unethical, mm-hmm. immoral, mm-hmm. who starts and is introduced to us through a phone call where she pretends to be the mother of a victim of crime who's gone missing and is looking for information mm. by falsely portraying themselves yeah. They heard of the press ombudsman. No. Exactly. Yeah, or the press council or, you know, or all the legal team that you have to go through and not to mention editorial calls. Yeah. And your morals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it that's the it's the soulless sort of portrayal of a reporter when we've seen this many times that, you know, they'll do anything for a story. Um, and I don't think people realize how difficult it is to get some stories into print and, you know, and just that people were were human creatures as well. And yeah. obviously we have that moral compass too. Um so I mean, the idea of phoning up in the middle of a, 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 you know, a disappearance in this case, but I mean, it's obviously developing possibly into a murder inquiry to claiming to be a relative is unheard of. Beyond the, I mean, and also then obviously there is the bit where she seems to have hacked into an account. She's hacked into a visa account or something. And she found that uh, 20 grand had gone missing from the judge's account. And she passes this information on to Richter, who's the guard over there. Uh, so there, she's obviously passing information to a guard. And also, there's other um, elements that come out too that she's recording people without their knowledge. Yeah. That she was in a relationship with Richter as well, which is probably Typical. something we can talk about. And that um, she, yeah, that there's like various different elements about how um, she is trying to get information from another criminal contact and she agrees to drop a story so he'll give her the address of this Derry Fallon guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's completely unethical. See, it's a funny practice. thing, I think, because that, that's a thing that female journalists, particularly crime journalists, face is the the this, the sexualization bit of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like with Veronica Guerin, right, that's what people, you know, utterly wrongly but that's always what they always always true at her. You'd that, be amazed who yeah. has suggested to me yeah. 
that Veronica Guerin was sleeping her way around the yeah. Dublin underworld. Yeah. I mean, disgusting. Mm. But people like that you would be, I mean, you're left agog that they yeah. would even suggest that, oh, I heard this. Yeah. I mean, that would never be said about a man. No, nobody has ever suggested I slept my way to the top, did they? Emer, you know, he was having a conversation <laughs> with me on the phone on the way in, right? He was obviously in the, <laughs> he was obviously in the middle of the newsroom or something and he came out with that. And, you know, I, you don't hear of men, male journalists sleeping their way to the top. And he was overheard again out of context. But, you know, <laughs> but, then, you're, but then you're making it worse for us because they're probably thinking who no, in the no. Sunday world is that? But, you know, like on a really basic level, right? But like, you know, we all work in, in journalism. There's crime reporters, some female, some male. And <clears throat> of all the female crime reporters, I've heard that said of them at some stage or another about sleeping their way to success with whoever. And I've never, ever heard no. that said about a male yeah. journalist. And like, that's not uh, some sort of wild PC right on point. That is just a fact. Yeah. And so you look at these shows, look, it's only, it's it's a TV show, but you know, it's it's I suppose what they call it is the trope of female journalists. Mm -hmm. And that is one that is always thrown in there. And it's never thrown in with male journalists. Just never. Like no. no, I mean, it is. It's 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 there's I undoubtedly and I have heard the same. I absolutely reckon that every female journalist in this town, if you were to believe the rumours, has just slept their way through the criminal underworld, the Garda Siakona and the judicial upper system. the judicial system probably as well and the upper echelons of the editorial system, yeah. because that's also said about female journalists that they sleep their way to a promotion yeah. and all this. It's deeply unfair and untrue and you yeah. know, these portrayals again and again of this, you know, again, you know, this unethical, charmless, unprofessional, immoral, seductress mm. out there trying to get a story, no at matter what, at all costs and in any way possible. It's not you know, the reality, really. No, it's not. And you see, like, even the hardened journalists, like, this has been my experience, like, people sometimes things happen in journalism, people might even regret that they happen or mm. do things that they regret or whatever. And But this, and, you know, obviously there's been huge things in the Levison inquiry, which would touch on some of the things that are in, in this program. Like the hacking. Though they are obviously mm. a thing of the past. I mean, even at the very extreme end of, of Red Top publishing across the world, those things are gone as a result of what happened. But is that a portrayal that you recognise of journalists just not caring? Like I don't, yeah. I don't recognize that. Even kind of hard, hardened crime reporters. Yeah. The the uh, what would you call it? No. It's soul searching that goes on. Yeah. You know. Because it's not, it's not a human, a natural human instinct to have to go up and ask someone whose child has died in a crash or whose child has been murdered, and ask them intrude on their privacy and ask them do they want to speak like that. Just I don't think that comes natural to anybody. And no. I, it's it's a difficult thing to do, but there's obviously a public interest side of it, and you're trying to tell, see if they want to tell their story in a fair way. And it's a necessary part of the job, unfortunately, as well. So I think people don't seem to realise that. And yeah. these portrayals don't help because there's just this soulless aspect to it or something that... Completely. And in actual fact, to, you know, to 
to go out on the ground in a in a situation like I know this is fictional yeah. situation, but there's two missing a missing couple. Obviously, their loved ones fear they're dead. To actually place yourself into that emotions and all of that that charged emotions, mm. you have to be a communicator actually, and yeah. it is really difficult. Mm. And some people do want to talk and they want to use the media to seek yeah. help, and you have to be there to offer them that mm. door in. Yeah. But it is really difficult dance and you have to know when to pull away, how to absolutely remove yourself from the scene, how to kind of approach people, usually through an intermediary mm-hmm. who you, you know, on, on a scene like that, you just dis- you discover who that was sometimes in Ireland in the past. A lot of the time it's there's, been a priest. There's two people this week alone that I've been in contact by, by email, actually, that have suffered uh, a, a loved one dying of a, a violent death. And both of them have interacted with the Sunday world because they want something to be presented. Yeah. Now, that's just the way it is. Some people do want it. Now, there is no doubt that some people find it really traumatic, mm. the approach by journalists. And you just, yeah. you can't blame that. That is just the way it is. But the idea that it happens casually and yeah. and that people are trampled over, mm. like maybe some things that's, I don't think realistic, you know. No, you know, I mean it's an ability to read the room as well and to and again really do journalists approach anymore I know they certainly did in the past grieving relatives. You kind of always reach out to them in a different way. Yeah, it's, we yeah have social media is better for that. Social media is better for that. It was exactly. more common back in the day. I actually remember my first ever door knock like 10 years ago was um there was a girl killed in a crash and it was a really tragic one and I was sent out with a photographer. It was like the early Herald day, yeah. so early in the morning and trying to find an address. And I think I walked in in a priest and confession at one point. It was a very rural area. And eventually we found the house. And of course, I was told to go and see if they want to talk. And that was, was yeah. the, the, the done thing at the time. So I went up and I think the photographer, Ray Cullen was his name. Um, I think he had sympathy for me. So he came up to the door with me because he was like, this girl doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. And we knocked on the door and it opened. And I think it might have been an aunt to the girl. And she said, oh, come on in. She thought we were mourners. Right. And I looked at Ray in panic and Ray obviously had experience and said, no, no, no. And he made it yeah. clear we were media. And then, then the door was closed. Um, but like that was, and it kind of just the parallel sign of this yeah. journalist in the gone ringing and pretending to be a relative. a relative to get a story because obviously like as soon as they made it clear they didn't want to speak and you have to you have to make it fully clear that everyone knows you're a journalist exactly. as well um, but like it wasn't a nice thing but that I was told to do that and and we talk it, about nowadays and the no. social media and exactly that you can it's a gentler way really to send a message to family leave them a number if they do want to contact or you know whatever mm-hmm. also that intermediary still exists in situations, you know, whether it's a family friend, a local politician is often the person to kind of approach and just say, listen, if they want to talk, we're here. Yeah. And and we're happy to come out and sit down with them. And we and have had many cases of people who have been receptive to yeah. that and who have developed relationships with um, media, uh, with journalists then, and they come back to them to, you know, maybe promote a charity cause or something like yeah. that. And they, they do actually appreciate that. So some people might understand why you actually approach people in the first place. But yeah. I do think people should get the opportunity. They should. You know, and in uh, cases and, uh, of unsolved murders and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. they often will come back to the media because there's an anniversary or something coming yeah. up and they want their loved one's hmm. murder disappearance not to be forgotten. Yeah. And, you know, there is always that opportunity that 
somebody out there knows something, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Guardian use, and certainly in missing pe- persons cases, they use the media as yeah. well to, to, to highlight the fact. But that, like, that's not to say that people haven't been approached wrongly or that some people mm. find it deeply traumatic and upsetting. Of course they do. So our character is, uh, you know, she is a sexualized female yeah. Yeah. who is tramping over the top of everybody to try and get mm. a story, who's breaking every rule in the journalistic book. But she's actually just following a long line of mm. sort of Hollywood depictions of the female journalist yeah. and the crime journalist. As long as they're sleeping with someone, they're interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, they're ruthless, they're ambitious, they're incompetent largely. Yeah. Um, and we've plenty of them to, you know, to talk about. But I suppose, Emer, I was like when we started, uh, you know, when I started looking at this and sort of researching it a little bit, I would get more and more angry because I was just thinking like, as journalists, we always sort of try and fight for everybody else's rights and everything. And yet we are constantly still being depicted as these people um, in, you know, okay, fictional dramas, but nonetheless, like even Barbie was brought into the modern world this year. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, th- I even get questions from family and friends, you know, like, oh, be careful, she'll put you in the paper. I think people don't realise yeah. what we do and the hoops you jump to to get a story in and all that. So I just think there is a lack of understanding about what... A but is that because, is that because of these constant depictions of that? Possibly, yeah, because I suppose by your nature, like when you're out trying to get a story and talk to contacts, you're not going to divulge that. So maybe the public, there's a bit of a a gap there between what people know and what actually happens. And then, yeah, then people are looking to maybe the screen to see. And it's just it's just not... I'd, maybe before my time, it's, it could have been different, but it's definitely not what I have experienced. I think like if you look at, say, House of Cards, I don't know if you yeah. watched yes. that. I think it's Zoe Barnes. Is Zoe Barnes, yes. Yeah. And so, I know a Zoe Barnes who's nothing like her. I just <laughs> right, okay. Like, that <laughs> Say that, yeah. So she, like, she's a classic uh, female journalist in, in, in one of these dramas, which was like a great program, certainly the yeah. first couple of series. And, you know, they had really the light and dark of the political characters they were very rounded, you know, they were obviously bad people, but there was good and bad points and all of that. But like Zoe Barnes was really, really one dimensional. Mm. Like she slept with, a, she certainly slept with the politician for stories. Yeah. Uh, she was glamorous. I remember she went to work for a publication and they were saying to her, don't check anything, just bash it up as quickly as yeah. possible. Do you remember that? And she yeah. was sitting on a beanbag at one point during it. <laughs> and she was actually told by her editor, no, no, don't check anything. We just need to get everything up as quickly as possible, whether right. it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That was actually a conversation, which even in the States where things are, are yeah. less uh, litigious, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So like she was a real uh, classic example, yeah. you know, because they're, they're tend to well, be. Well, she was so sexualized. Yeah, she yeah. was just literally using her sexuality to get herself anywhere in the yeah. job. Yeah. yeah. And it is a very one dimensional portrayal because um, I often wonder, you know, the way when people talk about playing certain characters, they might go like an abuse victim or even a sports person. They go into the particular areas and look at them. And I just wonder what they're looking at to portray a reporter because it is very one dimensional. You see in The Gone, the guards have their backstories that go into their different traumas. and, and, And maybe I know the writer had told you that they are going to explore this character more but from what I've seen it's it's it is again to use Niall's words one dimensional what about the uh, the traumatized guard how does he oh yeah I mean that's shoulder trauma though oh yeah I 
knew, I knew you were picking up on that. I got a hurl and wiped the ball against the wall. And he does something <laughs> really <laughs> weird with his ribs as well. Did I you think that's from when he was beaten up by the kids. But what's he poking at it for? I mean, it's sore did anyway. You not, did, you, did you not see that before? I knew Niall would comment on it. turmoil of the soul is depicted by him whacking a hurl against the wall. Well, you haven't seen the second episode where he tells the Maori character that his... The best memories of his life were achieved in Crow Park. <laughs> that gives us the Irish element. Oh, I actually, yeah, yeah it, it, there's a the cliche. There's a there's cliche. Like, maybe it's not just the, the the reporters who who get the cliche overall. After, oh. is there anyone's that you've liked reporter portrayals? Oh, my favorite movie. Um, one of my favorite journalist movies, is Spotlight. Yeah, which is brilliant. Which it's is great. about the and Rachel McAdams' character. Like you know, it's. Obviously, it's it's about the, it's a very dark subject, and it's about ex- exposing um, the abuse of in of, uh, Catholic priest abuse mm. in the Boston area. But there's elements to it where you know they're just working like dogs, which we all know well. And yeah. then you know she finds it hard to go to church with her grandmother and things like that that probably would affect you as a journalist. It's yeah. just a little bit, and it doesn't go into you know the any kind of salaciousness no it actually shows like some of the dullness of breaking a big well, story it. in it like because yeah, yeah 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 going into checking files looking at exactly that. yeah and i actually read an uh, read an article written by an american journalist and she actually referenced spotlight um she was obviously crit- criticizing the sexualization of female journalists by hollywood and she references spotlight and said her children turned to her afterwards and said they're just on their phones all the time <laughs> and it was almost like it's she was kind of suggesting then that this is a real by film producers that it's just it, it's they have to make them more interesting and yes. that's why they bring in the they think bringing in a relationship is going to do that because the reality of it is yeah you're on your phone all the time you're like working long hours and you're not probably going to be talking a lot to people about what you're doing because by the nature of it by the so nature of it, you, you can't know, yeah well I mean like from a from a monetary point of view mm. you know quality of life thing yeah. Harry Bradshaw I mean would be quite nice <laughs> Yeah. Write a couple of articles every couple of months. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And live in a, live in a brownstone in Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Did you, did you see when Nicola had a go with you for Manola Blomics? Yeah. All the way. Exactly. Did you see when Nicola had a go with you for slagging me off. I'll tell you a little story about expenses since you brought it oh, up. Oh Jesus, what's this about? So recently, um, we were myself and Nicola were going after a big conference at at lunch. Like, let's put it that way. Okay. And I was walking back and we were talking about expenses, have to file expenses. Are you going to expense your bento box? And she said, <laughs> and Nicola said to me, I said, well, you know, I approve your expenses. And she said, oh, that's a farce. <laughs> I was like, you don't have to say that to me. Because <laughs> he wasn't even trying to be funny. That's ridiculous. But you're never not, you're never not going to approve our expenses. Though. But I might now. Give him a proper responsible <laughs> job to me seems kind of ridiculous, does it not? What if a flight to Auckland came up on her expenses? Yeah, what would, would you, you do? What did you drop? A reporter to the company. Uh, you'd report me to the company? No. But I mean, can you imagine actually like, I mean, it's just that lifestyle as well is so funny, you know, yeah. sometimes. I mean, that's the lighter side of it. Mm. These journalists have these really glamorous lifestyles. They're you know, in and out of, maybe if we had it done a different type of journalism, but they're in and out of all these launches and they're dressed so beautifully and they have such an amazing lifestyle and they don't bulk if a cocktail is $40, you know what I mean? Did did you ever watch Devil Wears Prada? Yes. Yeah, that's, you know, she goes in as a a news reporter writing about uh, protests and has this, um, like, you know, idyllic ambition to be a hard-hitting news reporter and gets a job as a PA for, and this is basically meant to be the Vogue. you know, Vogue, she's meant she's yeah. meant to be depicting Anna Wintour and um, it turns into, you know, 
it changes her personality but she gets amazing wardrobes and she gets to go to Paris Fashion Week (laughs) we don't get any of that just in case anybody is of the uh, you know, belief that we do. But I was looking last night, so there's the International Women's Media Foundation. This is where this kind of gets really serious, this issue, right? And they talk about the, the you know, the sexualized female journalists, how that sort of image of that is persisting through um, these dramati- dramatizations and Hollywood movies, right? And there's a an Eliza Lee Munoz of the above organization, which is the International Women's Media Foundation. And she said that the sexist stereotypes about women in the media has real consequences for female reporters who regularly face gender based harassment and abuse. Mm. They carried out a survey in 2018 of 600 female journalists around the world. Two thirds of them said they had been harassed and threatened online and more than a quarter said they had been physically assaulted. Right. And this lady, Lise Munoz, says that it's driving women out of the profession. Now, on a very serious note in this country, there has been a special sort of Garda Liaison Committee set up because of the levels of abuse female journalists are getting. Yeah, and it's a it's a particular type. Like male journalists also get abuse, but they get a different character of abuse, really. Like, because, you know, we obviously see these things through the job. It's for women, it's always sexual threats, sexual comments. It's just almost universally goes to that. Men will get, you know, they'll get will obviously get threats on social media that but it's a different character like totally yeah. you know what I mean and women do face that 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 uh you know that that sense of it angers people that they're out there having a voice like yeah. that is the truth female journalists there are a small group of people I suppose yeah. who get angry that women are out there and you know the thing is that that can be very upsetting for younger women I think mm. you know maybe age is with me on this I just completely ignore that sort of stuff. Mm. I would delete, block, whatever, if I even bother. You know, most of the time I just don't. Because I think my years on this planet have taught me that if somebody is just coming at you with that, it's their problem and not yours. You know what I mean? So I would never take it as something that, Mm. you know, I would question myself about or anything. Now, some, you know, proper criticism, of course, I will take. And I'll go, right, we shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. I'm perfectly open to being criticised if it's got a foundation. But this sort of stuff that, you know, comments on your looks, whatever. But for younger women in journalism, that would be very, very damaging. I mean, seriously awful that whenever they speak out, they write an article, they put something up on social media. And we've heard loads of women in journalism who've come down off social media, who've really been traumatised by their experiences of these faceless creatures who feel that they can just load their shit on them. Yeah, of course. And it's just, it's all, there's there's no escape from it now because of social media. And you can't not be on social media when you're a journalist nowadays as well. So you don't, you you have to sort of face it. And yeah, you cannot read comments, but like there's yeah. always going to be some way for them to get at you. And I suppose it's, you know, as we all, journalism is, isn't the easiest of professions to begin with anyway, especially when you're coming into it nowadays because yeah. you're long hours and low pay and all of these kind of things. And a lot of people do it because of their interest and their passion. But if you're getting all of this abuse on top of that, you know, you're, and as, as the International Women's Media Foundation says, it's driving women out yeah, of profession. Of course. And certainly it's it's a big issue. Yeah. But I mean, like the, that new Garda committee, which was specially set up for that. I mean, there's already been very serious reports, one in particular, which is before the courts that we can't go into. Um, 
but plenty of reports of harassment of, of yeah. women. And, and there is a kind of a, an attitude that it's no longer going to be tolerated. It will be criminally investigated where necessary. And for all those reasons, mm. I'm yeah. a lot older than you, Eber. When I went into journalism, you went in and the only thing you were giving of yourself was your name on a paper. And I don't know whether readers really, you know, the Connected byline. No, yeah. they didn't connect no. with that. Whereas now, like you say, you're going in and you're having to give more of yourself. You have to give your face, your identity. Mm. You have to give a little bit of your personality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And media organizations, rightly, they, they want to promote sort of young women and different views. Mm. Med the newspapers and, and all media companies are always looking for younger people with different views to society, maybe controversial views. Some of that, you know, could be sort of regarded as woke politics. So they like people to come out there, young women, and give strong opinions. But as soon as they do, they're absolutely targeted in a way that men aren't. It's just a fact that like, mm. there's just no doubt about it. Yeah, and female politicians, and there's obviously other areas too where people, where women are targeted. But yeah. True, yeah. It's and also people, some people, you know, it's it's a funny thing because in another in another way, our culture moves to a, very, a sense where people aren't openly abusive in the same way as they might have been when we were younger, where it was a bit more tolerance of it. But there's mm -hmm. what's happening, I think, ultimately what will happen with social media companies is that there will be further regulations over the next few years. And I think this thing will be sort of gradually clamped down on. But at the moment, there's almost there's very little that can be done, really, or will be done if you make a complaint to a social media company about something that's up there. It's really, really difficult to get it down. I mean, that's even with the, the weight of a, a media organisation behind you. And we know that. Like, mm -hmm. Will you watch The Gone? Will you watch more of it? Now, it's on Sunday night and it's RTE mm. are, have, you know, co-funded this, obviously, with a New, a New Zealand network. So this is taxpayers' money that has gone into this mm. uh, drama, which there has been some criticism uh, of the fact that it is really all about New Zealand and mm. there is this sort of the token Irishness in it and is this good use of the taxpayers' money. Yeah. I will watch it again because I suppose it's a thriller in, in the sense that the couple are kind of forgotten in many uh, parts of it, but I am intrigued to see what happened to them. So I'll watch it for that reason. But yeah, there's a lot of, it, there's too many plot lines going on and it can be quite confusing. And um, I, yeah, I think I will stick with it just, because of that particular intrigue, but it's definitely not, um, it's it's not a crime drama in the sense of like a love hate or yeah. even kin or anything like that. It's it's more of a murder mystery and there is it, it goes into Maori culture and New Zealand's um a yeah, lot you see more they, than well, they make you know, a great effort to handle the Maori culture yeah. well, right? They they have obviously yeah. written that really carefully and done very positive depictions of that and probably quite detailed. They just haven't, they haven't given the Sunday world the same, the poor old Sunday no, world. No, and, and yeah, and we didn't, yeah. yeah, we didn't mention um, that, I think oh, the second episode, you can see mm -hmm. that the news app with the Sunday world's logo three times during it. So it's, it's, it is, Obviously, very clear who it's she's writing for. Bloody home. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Now, I want to just read out a little bit of this email that I got back from Keeper Pictures, who are the producers of this, the makers of this show. And they said, hi, Nicola, thank you for your email. 
Can we ask you if you're basing your opinions on just the first episode of Gone? No, I'm not. I've watched two. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to view all episodes, we'd really appreciate if you gave us the benefit of viewing all six episodes of series one before making a decision on the character. Now, I'll just read a small, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but she says here that like the rest of the drama in The Gone, we've introduced Aileen Ryan's character in a way that wrong foots the audience, which we then spend the rest of the episodes breaking down stroke changing. In episode one, due to the story setup. Uh, set up. Aileen is introduced mainly through the viewpoint of our lead male Irish character. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I th- think she's introduced as herself. I mean, she's... Yeah, he doesn't want her there. Of, he doesn't want her there, yeah. but she's yeah. she's very sort of balchy and she, is, she walks yeah. into the middle of a council meeting without even introducing herself as yeah. well. Yeah, well, well she's very much uh, introduced as a fly in the ointment. And yeah. Just, you know. and, uh, but anyway, so basically what they're saying is that the way she's... It, 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 it may feel there are tropes to how she's presented at first, but this is something we play with and flip. So the reason I'm going to continue watching it is because I can't imagine how you could flip this character, how you could change those sort of early starters, those absolute, you know, imbalances with the real world of crime reporting of, of, you know, being a journalist out on a story that you would misrepresent yourself as a relative of a victim, that you would hack into somebody's financial accounts. Yeah. um, And that you would then, of course, be sleeping with uh, the detective on the case. I don't think he said, the way he references it is there was something, but there's not anymore. But then she called into, like they're staying in the same motel and she called into his room and he's stopless and then he says uh, I think she says I'm not here to whatever I'm not here I'm for not, a shag I think I'm not <laughs> well I'm not approving that expense that's all I'm going to say and then <laughs> and then it proceeds to her saying that we used to work really well together which is another yeah. you know element of that's you know yes. I, I hope they don't uh, flip her that she the flipping that, that they're speaking about there doesn't involve her realising I was wrong all the time to be a journalist and I'm going to be a good person instead I'm going to be a charity no, yeah yeah I'm going to be something else instead so let's see we, yeah we, are the flipping is that she becomes key to the solving of the thing through her yeah. nasty and well, yeah. it's vile yeah. character. But I know we were talking about the reality of reporting, but also just the reality of what would happen in that kind of situation. You know, the, I don't want to give it away too much, but the last scene, um, I was telling you about this earlier, yeah. is where she's in her pajamas and she's... <laughs> Silky, you said. Silky pajamas, yeah. and um, No journalist could afford. <laughs> they've been looking for this cartel leader. They find yeah. out that he's in New Zealand and, um, you know, she she was trying to track him down. But basically he turns up and I don't know if I'm supposed to say tax. No, no, you can say it because it's yeah. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, so that that's not, not even is that not realistic. It's, I don't know if it's it, for journalists. I don't know if it's, it, there's, it, go, it does go a little bit into the kind of bizarre, yeah. I have to say, but... I will continue to watch yeah. it. Just well, let's see. And maybe it. we'll totally change our minds and we'll come on here and we'll yeah, just maybe. say she's a wonderful depiction of a female crime journalist. Yeah. Who knows? And now, Donald, you just keep signing those expenses. I will. Really. And Nicola is our, <laughs> I, she's I, our I, Lois Lane, isn't she? That's She's not our, what's her name? Eileen Ryan. You prove my expenses, I'm going to have to start. No, no, no. Eileen Ryan. Like, that's not even a good name for a no. journalist. No, no he Eileen gets Ryan. the name Richter. And, yeah, and she no. gets, a, uh, no, it's Aileen, is it? Aileen. Not Eileen. Aileen. Aileen Ryan is just, no, no. Yeah, can we, yeah. But um, there, there is a good, decent cast, though. The I don't know if you looked, but... The Richard Flood, he's the actor who plays Richter. He was in Grey's Anatomy. I saw that. He yeah. did a good role in that. He was a doctor. 
he was a doctor, yeah. Looks he like was, a doctor. He does look like a doctor, yeah. And the tattoos are making He kind of looks look like a guard, I think. I think he'd... Kind of head? Give him a... He does. He doesn't look like any guard. Does <laughs> I think so. <laughs> somebody, somebody like that stops you and gives you a penalty as points. Soon as, you. Took a hurley, as soon as he took a slither out of his bag and started using a hurley, Niall took I'm against him. I'm telling you now, they don't <laughs> stop you giving you penalty points looking like that, Emer. Yeah. 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 Maybe in your yeah. world. <laughs> right, well, listen, okay. we'll um, keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.